Blog Talk Radio. Jean-Luc Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transporter, deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crush's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Quike is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Hey, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the world. With that theme song, it's time for another awesomely exciting episode of Trek Talking to Beyond. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and with me as usual are my truck experts. We'll start off with Eric. Eric's out in Portland, but not today. He's just shy of Buffalo, New York tonight. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing pretty good. I am out on a trip and uh, could not find quiet in my hotel room, so I'm broadcasting live from my car in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> See, the things we do for the show, the show must it's go on. It's all for the fans, man. Can... It's all for the fans. If I could tell you some of the weird places that I've broadcasted this podcast from, you probably wouldn't believe me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we also have with us Charles, and Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Mother Nature is starting to behave. We're getting, we might see one more 90 tomorrow. We might see one more 90 next week. But we're going to finally start seeing 80 degree temperatures. Yeah, it's, windy, it's starting to drop. I don't here. care. Let's go ahead and take some 80s and get rid of these 90s. Enjoy fall. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, our, our theme song, I love our theme song. I think it's catchy, I think it's great, but I think we need to try to update our theme song. We need to try to come up with us, we need to take that song. And instead of basing it on the next generation, because we don't really, well, we sometimes we do, but we talk about discovery. We talk about Star Trek in general, and that song is very specific to TNG. We need to come up with a new version of that song that encompasses all of Star Trek. We need to come up with some and rewrite that so that it's like um, Spore Drives, uh, Lorca's hair, you know. <laughs> we need to come up with a flying on the version. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to come up with a song where we can fit into that song representations from all the various Star Treks from from Discovery, from Picard, from Lower Decks, from Section Thirty One, from Strange New Worlds, and, and try to come up with a new theme song that encompasses all of Star Trek. As much as I love that song which I do, um, I want to try to update it. And that sounds easier said than done because I'm no weird Al Yankovic. So um, that's something I want to try to work on. But we have a great show planned for you. As a matter of fact, you know what? I'll tell you what. Here, guys, if somebody out there who's listening right now wants to rewrite that song for us, encompassing all of Star Trek, you know, Pike and, and Cisco and, and everybody. If you can get as many different Star Trek references in that song as possible, 
I have in my hands for you the Blu-ray set of Star Trek Discovery Season 1. I'll send it to you for free. Just rewrite the song for us and, uh, and uh, message it to us, and uh, I'll send you Star Trek Discovery Season 1 for free. Because that's the kind of guy I am. All right? How does that sound? Pretty good? All right. Anyway, we have our great, great show planned for you. So much fun. So many great things happen. A lot of them within a couple of hours. Uh, we're definitely going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1 finale, No Small Parts. And boy, wow. Wow and wow and wow. Uh, we have Star Trek birthdays. And uh, we have more of our interview with um, Jonathan Frakes. And he talks a little bit about maybe he'll be directing Star Trek Four. We don't know. We have some updates on Strange New Worlds, Picard Season 2. Discovery Season 4. Yeah, you heard me. Discovery Season 4 and Section 31. Mic drop. And uh, fan shout-outs around the globe. And Star Trek birthday. So we got a lot. Jim, don't forget. You got something else you got to add to your list. You got to say Prodigy. Mm -hmm. Yes. You got to put Prodigy in your list. Yep, I didn't get to add that because that's one of those things that happened a few hours ago. I'm I'm fortunate that I was able to get it added into the show tonight. But yes, we are. We do have some breaking news to talk about when it comes to Prodigy, the new animated children's cartoon, not to be confused with Lower Deck, which is going to be on Nickelodeon. We're going to get to that very very shortly. Hey guys, we're we're hovering at close to 21,000 followers on our Facebook page. We're 100 shy of 21,000. So please head over to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. And like and follow us there and help us get to 21,000. We'd really appreciate it. We broke 27,000 downloads of our podcast, which is great. So thank you very much to all of you guys out there who download and listen to us. We really, really appreciate it. And one more thing. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you'd like to give us a call and, you know, just say hi or you know, maybe talk about Lower Decks or, you know, any other Star Trek-related um, thing that you have on your mind, please give us a call. We'll get you on the air, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So without any further ado, we're going to dive right in. I'm trying to find the um, – the, don't tell me I don't have it. I thought I had it, but I can't find it. See, I can sing, too. All right, forget it. We won't play it because I can't find it. All right, anyways, we'll skip the sound bite. I thought I downloaded it, but I had so many sound bites I had to download for today. It's such a short time, I forgot it. So forget I mentioned it. Let's dive right into the numbers around the globe. And for that, we go to Eric. Take it away, Eric. All right. Well, as everybody knows, we are broadcasting live from the United States. So about 76% of our listeners are here, but we have lots of international listeners Last week, the U.K. took the number one position, and they are still there, upping the ante with 3.83% of our listeners. So thank you, folks from the U.K. 
Right up there and just right next door in the number two slot is Ireland with 3.72% of our listeners, and that's up quite a bit from last week. So thank you to the Irish for listening to us. We, uh, we really appreciate it. In number three spot, dropping just a couple of hundredths of a percent is Australia hanging in there. Of course, you all remember a few weeks ago when Norway made a big surge and came into the mix. They are still hanging in there, upping the ante one more time to 2.37% of our listeners. And just barely clinging to that number five spot, our brothers and sisters from the north, Canada in the number five slot. So thank you to the folks from the UK, Ireland, Australia, Norway, and Canada for leading the charge for our international listeners. We really appreciate it. And, uh, man, it's just really special to have so many people around uh, the globe listening to us every single week. So thank you very much. So here we go. Jim, what's next? Well, I want to let you guys know that Canada is in serious danger of falling off of our list because Spain, Spain is right there. They're a notch below Canada, hanging in at 2.21%. So a few more people in Spain tune in or a few more people in Canada tune out and we could have a new entry on our list. It's that close. So we could have a change. Yeah. So let's see. I I really would like to see Canada climb back up to the number one spot where they were for years, but I wouldn't be upset if Spain made an appearance on our list either. Either way, I'm happy to have all of you guys listen to us. So thank you so much to everybody, regardless of where you live. And that brings us to something that we like to do every week called fan shout-outs. And we've, we've singled out the individual countries that come in on our list. But I have no way of knowing the individual places. So we decided that we do fan shout-outs. And this is where you can go onto our Facebook page, tell us where you're from, and each week, we will pick Team Lucky People, and we will give you an individual shout-out on our show, which we're about to do. So, Eric, why don't you start us off with this week's fan shout-outs? You betcha. So our first fan shout-out this week goes to Angela Matheson from Thorpe, Wisconsin, listening right now to this podcast. Thank you so much, Angie, for listening to us. We'd also like to say hello to Tina Hunam from Essex, England. Hello, John David Landry from Sydney, Nova Scotia. Thank you very much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, We've got somebody named The Corrigan Corrigan from Falkirk, Scotland, perhaps a pseudonym. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We also would like to say hello to Carlos E. Cristione from San Paulo, Brazil. And also hello and thank you so much to Greg Nikolai from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Charles, take it away. And we got Eric Young from over in Colorado, USA. Neva Brewster Hughes from Indiana. John Calderon from Puerto Rico. Track on. Alyssa Ad Villa from uh, Sao Paulo. I'm not even telling myself where that is. I am And then I got Thomas Wade Harmon from Michigan. Hi. For some reason, the fans shout out. I woke up by one of my Alexas. 
<laughs> you never know when that's going to happen. It was going. <laughs> that's like when AJ comes running in and jumps on my headset, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's live, people. Oh. You yeah. know, when we do a live show, that's what you get. So wrapping up with our uh, fan shout-outs, we have Graham Goody from Australia. G'day, mate. It's great to have you along. We have Jimmy Franzine from Sweden. We have Patrick Platbrod from Benjamin, uh, Belgium. And we have NJ Boudoir from Toronto. And finally, dun, 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 Nancy Drew. I live on what? top of a mountain in Jefferson, North Carolina. Nancy Drew. Mm. Mm. Where she investigates things. Yeah, she's investigating. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much to each and every one of you. Please go to our Trek Talking and Beyond Facebook page. Tell us where you're from. If you see a little heart next to your name, that means I've chosen your name, and you'll be on our, our fan shout-out, which means it's time for us to sing Happy Birthday to War. That was not a Klingon song. Nope, nope, it wasn't. We like it anyway, so there. This is the part of the show where we give fan shout-outs to, well, not fan shout-outs, but we we uh, send out our condolences to members that are no longer with us in our Star Trek family and send out birthday wishes to those who still are. And we always have Eric start out with our remembrances. So, Eric, take us away. Sure. This week we would be celebrating the birthday of Morgan Farley. Uh, That actor actually played two parts. Uh, He was Hakom in the TOS episode Return of the Archons, which you may remember, and also played Yang Scholar in the TOS episode The Omega Glory. So happy birthday to Morgan Farley, no longer with us. The Return of the Archons, actually, we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this show in reference to mm-hmm. Lower Decks. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. Uh, Spoiler alert. Spoiler we alert, that's also, right. <laughs> we are also remembering this week Harriet C. Leader, who played Amory in the TNG episode Unification Part 2. Uh, we're also remembering Madeline Rue, who actually played Lieutenant Marla McGiver in the TOS episode Space Seed. Uh, a really cool episode that of course introduced the character of Khan to Star Trek and uh, would become the villain of Wrath of Khan. So happy uh, birthday to Madeline Rue. We're also remembering and saying happy birthday to Lois Jewell, who played Drusilla in the TOS episode Conscience of the King, which has a nice tie-in to uh, Drastic Measures, one of the Star Trek books that we've recently reviewed. We're also yeah. remembering and saying happy birthday to David Somerville, who played Lieutenant Larry Matson in the TOS episode, The Conscience of the King. So we have two folks from that episode featured this week with birthdays. Um, remembering the actor Dallas Mitchell, who played Lieutenant Tom Nellis in the TOS episode, Charlie X. Uh, definitely one of the first episodes of TOS that I ever remember seeing back at my public library when I was a little kid in my tiny little Illinois hometown. So we do miss Dallas Mitchell. Happy birthday. 
We're remembering this week John Hoyt. Now that name should ring a bell because he was the original doctor in the cage, Dr. Philip Boyce, uh, in the first pilot for TOS, which uh, you know wasn't really released until later. But uh, some people have suggested that uh, perhaps uh, other actors should reprise that role. So that might be interesting. But yep. I thought John Hoyt just played a fantastic doctor. I loved his uh, his remedy of pouring a drink for Pike <laughs> when Pike needed it. <laughs> Uh, we are also remembering this week Charles Drake, who played Commodore Stalker in the TOS episode The Deadly Years. And finally, one more remembrance, and this one is probably the one that most people will be familiar with. We are saying happy birthday and remembering Persis Kambata, who played Ilea in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Charles, who is still with us that has a birthday this week? Okay, we'll start off with Lindsay Stoddart, who played in Deva, an Enterprise Chosen Realm. Sia Palmier, who played Dr. Servin from TOS, The Way to Eden, and Melanchon from Patterns of Force. Bridget White played Laurel in CF9 to Mourn for Mourn. Duncan Gregor played Ronan in the TOS TNG episode. Uh, Sub Rosa and Eden in DS9. Harold uh, Daniels played Zora in the TOS episode, The Savage Curtain. And a couple of them I'm a little more familiar with. Michelle Kuzikic, how do I pronounce that? Played Molly O'Brien. Who played Molly O'Brien, age of 18, nine times orphan. It was an interesting little time event episode. And Hannah Cheeseman, who played the second season character of Lieutenant Commander Arium in Discovery. And who also played a bridge crew member after we lost Arium. More yeah, forward and, to get a chance of probably seeing her on screen again soon. And for those him, of you who don't we know, more. we got some more, of course, but I wanted to let you guys know that a good friend of ours, Leslie Hoffman, was, was actually in that episode, the DS9 episode, Times Orphan, and uh, she worked with the young Molly O'Brien in that episode as her safety and her babysitter, although that's not that's not exactly what the terminology is uh, for that episode. So you guys can check that out on, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. On uh, uh, stunt trucks with myself and Leslie, you can go back and find that episode and hear the stories right from her mouth. So please check that out. Um, So wrapping up the birthdays, we got just about five minutes. I'll see if I can squeeze them all in here. Um, We have Rosalind Lander who played, um, 
Burma Odell in the TNG episode, Up the Long Ladder. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. She was the sexy Irish woman in the episode where they had the oh, clones. Yeah. And the, the clones were dying, and they had to have sex, and they just they were just appalled by that. And I remember at the time going to conventions and things and hearing how how people were so upset that they portrayed the, these Irish women as being, you know, just interested in sex and all slinky and sexy and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, that was different times. That was the 80s, okay. <laughs> but still, uh, not yeah. a bad episode if you guys want to check that one out. Happy birthday to Rosalind. I always do the Klingon. So we have Jennifer Gotti, who played Bayel in the TNG episode Birthright Part 1 and Part 2. She was Worf's love interest until Worf found out she was half Klingon, half Romulan. Interesting combination right there. Uh, great character, though. I loved her character, and uh, I don't remember whatever happened to her. She got on the shuttlecraft, and that was it. But happy birthday to Jennifer Gotti. Uh, John Luperino, who played Oberst in the VO on the Voyager episode Year of Hell Part 1 and Part 2. Don't think I saw that episode, so I can't really say oh. anything about it. Oh, Jim. Okay. Jim, you've got to watch those episodes. They are so good. It's, all, it's a time travel thing. The Voyager gets really, really messed up over the course of two episodes, and uh, it's one of the best two-part uh, episodes of Voyager, in my opinion. So you definitely should check it out. Well, we, we, we are going to talk about the year of hell a little bit later in the show, so you guys want to stick around for that. And, of course, of course, we got the best for oh, last. We, mm-hmm. I got well, one of them I just found out about today. The other two I, had, I knew, knew about. We're going to start off with, I think, one of the youngest people we have on our, our birthday list this week. Uh, awesome, awesome actress. Um, she was in It. The, the it remake. She was the girl that was underneath the bleachers when it and it kills her. Um, this that was her character, uh, but she had a starring role in the movie um, uh, The Conjuring, uh, or not Conjuring, Annabelle: The Beginning. Uh, she starred in that, and of course, those aren't the roles we're talking about tonight. We're talking about, of course, Kestra Troy Riker from the Star Trek Picard episode Nepenthe, and we want to send out a huge happy birthday to Lula Wilson, who, in my opinion, stole the show. Awesome character, awesome actress, love her to death, and hope we see her again. So happy, happy Mm -hmm. birthday to Lula Wilson. And, uh, wow, which one do I want to do next? This is a tough one. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. Happy birthday. I, I, normally, I would have given this next one to either Eric or Charles. He's not dead, so it couldn't go to Eric, and Charles had enough on his plate, so I took this next one. Uh, Avery Brooks, who played Captain Kirk on Star Trek. Happy oh, birthday. Oh, gosh, Jim. Avery. Senile Senile old man. Avery Brooks, of course, played Captain Benjamin Sisko, the most awesome, most badass captain on the DS9. Yeah, and he yeah. got awesome when he lost it. When he lost his hair and got the goatee, that's when he kicked the most butt. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And being a Klingon fan, I saved my favorite for last. 
And that would be just today, matter of fact, Todd Bryant, who played Captain Claw in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And if you guys had the pleasure of listening to us when we, we had the, the honor, the honor of talking to Spice Williams Crosby, who played Victus in Star Trek V, she is so charming, so awesome, so wonderful. And wow. uh, I just can't say enough about her. Check page and give it a listen if you haven't. She has nothing but good things to say about both Todd and William Shatner's directing, and she even still speaks Klingon. So I love Todd Bryan. I love Star Trek V. I love the Klingons in Star Trek V. And we have to take our first commercial break for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. For the rest of you, we'll be right back. We are premiering, debuting, whatever you want to call it, right now. Our first promo, uh, a friend of mine has a radio station here in Rutland. We are playing this, this promo for the next year on, our, on the station here in Rutland, and he put this together for us, and you guys are going to hear it for the first time right now. This is our Trek Talking promo. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. What do you think, guys? You like it? That uh, was pretty to cool. Talk Radio Live. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Well, we we only got thirty seconds, so you know. But it kind of reminds like me it? of the. It was pretty awesome. It kind of reminds me of the old '80s trailers where it was like in a world where something's happening. <laughs> I thought well, it was it, awesome. I loved it. That's Uncle Dave, the guy that I stole my name from. Uh, he's a local disc jockey on a local station here in Vermont. And I went over to the, stadium, the station with him, and he recorded that for us. And I don't know if you guys caught it, but at the very, very end where he says, boldly go wherever your mind will take you, that actually mm-hmm. the sound bite that's playing in the background is, the, is from a Queen song called The Game. And I kind of mm-hmm. liked it because it kind of sounded like a warp effect a little bit. If you guys listen to it again, you you might catch it. And I just, I liked it. So he was able to put it into the commercial. So there you have it. I'm going to be putting that, that spot on Spotify and iTunes. And I'm going to be putting it anywhere that I can put it to try to get the word out about our podcast. So thank you to Uncle Dave for doing that for us. All right. Well, cool. we did squeeze the birthdays. We squeezed in the birthdays into segment one, which which was good because we got so, so, so much to talk about. So let's go to our Star Trek news. Whoosh. Whoosh. Coming to you live from Block Talk Radio. Star Trek news, 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 news. So... What can I say? Star Trek Discovery one week from today, guys. Next Thursday, Star Woo! Trek Discovery. It's been yeah. a long road getting from there to here, but we made it. Uh, we just wrapped mm-hmm. up the most excellent season of Lower Decks, which I can't wait to talk about. 
but we got a lot to talk about as far as Star Trek Discovery goes. We got a clip for next week's episode. We got the episode titles to go over as well. A lot of stuff to talk about, so make sure you guys tune in next Thursday for Discovery. Also, uh, The Mandalorian Season 2 starts on uh, October 30th. That's a Friday night, and we definitely are going to be talking about Star Trek, I mean, Star Wars Mandalorian, as well as Star Trek Discovery, so keep that in mind. All right. If you guys were not busy on Saturday, maybe you were, maybe you weren't, but if you were, that's okay because you can always catch it later. We had the honor, the pleasure of talking to the author of the Star Trek Discovery-based uh, book, Way to the Stars, which we, we refer to as the Tilly book. And uh, Una McCormick was on with us for an hour. Boy, was she, was she fun to talk to, guys, or what? She I was something. So. She was yeah. just uh, so interesting to talk to, to listen to her process, to hear how she developed some of these characters, to hear how different of a book this was from the other ones that we've read and how interesting we all found it. I thought, I thought it was just so cool. And she was so nice on the phone, too. She, you know, at one point she kind of dropped off for technological reasons and she felt bad about it and came right back on and just picked up where she left off. So that was that was one of the funnest interviews that we have done for a book uh, in recent memory. I really yeah. liked that. Yeah, and, and, of course, we're all in the United States, and she's in the U.K., so we had a five-hour time difference and a transatlantic phone call, and it all went off, I think, spotless. We had a little bit of about, but we worked through it. So please, guys, check out our interview with Una McCormick from last Saturday. It's a lot of fun. She was great. And, Eric, why don't you tell our listeners – well, we're going to have Una back. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, one of the little spoilers that we got when we had Una on the phone was, uh, you know, we asked her what her next project was that was related to Star Trek, and she spoiled a little bit for us that she just recently wrapped up writing the autobiography of Catherine Janeway. That book sounds incredibly interesting to me, and it has a special tie-in to some of the things that we're going to talk about later on. So stay tuned for later in the podcast. There's going to be a little bit more about uh, Miss Mulgrew, Ms. Mulgrew later on in the show. And I wonder how they're going to, if they were able to squeeze that into the autobiography or if she wrote the autobiography before that was public knowledge. I don't know. But Probably, say, probably I, I, prior. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, probably prior. I uh, sent Una uh, a message, and she said she would love to come on and talk about the autobiography of Catherine Janeway once it hits the shelves. So stay tuned okay. for that. And, for and those, speaking. For those, fa- for those fans, it's like, well, but Uncle Jim, when can I buy this book? That's you a good can question. buy it Tuesday, October 27th of this month. It's due out just before Mandalorian comes out. Wow. I don't know when we'll be able to review it because we're in the middle of doing the Enterprise War right now. Maybe we can – well, we'll talk about it off air. Anyways, yeah. why yeah. did I bring this all up? <laughs> what is the relevance? You may be saying Uncle Jim is old and senile and he likes to babble a lot, but what's the relevance of this? Well, uh, we have a story here. How Sylvia Tilly is boldly breaking new ground for female characters on Star Trek Discovery. 
All the stories that we talk about from this point on in Star Trek news, you can go to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, and read the articles in their entirety instead of me paraphrasing them for you. But we just like to get the news out to you guys anyways. So here we go. Women in Star Trek are no longer limited to being communications officers, medical caretakers, sex objects, or advanced doling bartenders. Now they're allowed to be everything in between. Her character is a very different kind and a leading lady in the world of Star Trek. Her very presence is quietly pushing boundaries for female characters in the franchise universe. A young Starfleet cadet full of starry-eyed optimism and an enthusiastic love for both science and the act of discovery itself. Tilly's upbeat demeanor radiates sincerity and reflects the positive, sunny ideals that Starfleet prides itself on. She's also incredibly smart, solving complex problems and delving into the unknown with a sort of gleeful abandon that serves as a refreshing and often necessary counterpart to Burnham's determined grimness. In many ways, Tilly's character feels deeply familiar. The slightly neurotic, geeky, fast talker who's brilliant but deeply socially awkward is the type we've seen throughout genre television and in the world of Star Trek for decades. The difference is simply that she's not a man. That's it. Tilly's <coughs> to drop the Star Trek's first F-bomb in response to particularly groundbreaking spore drive on Discovery. That feels right on every single count. Far too often, things like kindness and compassion, curiosity and wonder are represented as weakness in science fiction. But for Tilly, these traits are the bedrock of who she is. And I couldn't agree with that assessment anymore. I think Tilly is one of my favorite characters on Discovery. And I didn't mind when she dropped the F-bomb on Star Trek. We talked about it when, when it happened. And I'll just reiterate it again. The way it was done, the way it was said, the way the word was used, uh, I didn't find it offensive. Um, in fact, I thought it worked perfect the way it was dropped by her on Discovery. So what do you guys think? Yeah, do you guys think like Tilly? Yeah, I think oh. one of the things that we talked about with Una uh, during our last podcast that is really special about Tilly is that we've always talked about how, you know, modern Star Trek in the Golden Age here has sought to expand its representation of different kinds of people, uh, people from different places, you know, more women on the cast, that sort of thing. And Tilly, to me, just really represents that sort of brilliant but socially awkward type character who brings infinite, uh, you know, skills and, uh, and a little bit of humor to the, to the cast of the show. And to me, she's just such an essential part because she actually is the glue that kind of holds together a bunch of other characters. Uh, you know, she, she interacts with Stamets. She interacts with Michael Burnham. She interacts with Giorgio. And she just kind of is that one who everybody looks to when they really need a difficult problem figured out. What do you think, Charles? Well, I would just, I think you just kind of hit a point that got me thinking is that we're so used we're so used to our characters being extroverts. Whereas we got Tilly and Samus who are not. They're introverts. Mm-hmm. And Tilly is uncomfortable with who she is. She's not sure she's good enough. It's like, I like that uncertainty to a character. Let's bring a little more realism into the character. They're not so sure about themselves. 
yes, let's bring that in because how many people are out there that might feel the same way or have those days they don't feel sure about what they're doing? I think it just makes and it a more realistic character. Absolutely. And if you'd like more backstory on what makes Tilly that way, of course, The Weight of the Stars uh, explores 16-year-old Tilly, where you get a, a more fleshed-out story about her and her parents and a big event that happens in her life that I think helps to make the character that we actually see in Seasons 1 and 2 of Discovery. And it looks like in Season 3, like she's going to be kind of stepping up to the plate one more time. I love her her look of determination that we see in these uh, in these new trailers. I, I'm really excited to see where they take the, the Tilly character in the next season. It's going to be fun. And uh, speaking of Discovery, Eric, why don't you take our next news story? Well, here we are on the doorstep of Season 3, and yet, guess what, folks? We get to stock, talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 4. Writing is already underway. And also, Strange New Worlds is currently scheduled to shoot in 2021. The man in charge of the Star Trek universe on CBS just gave an update on the future of the franchise, including Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Short Treks, and even the Section 31 series. Kurtzman says, I think everybody in the world is dealing with some issues of logistical challenges from COVID, from the minor to the radically extreme. We've been running all of our writers' rooms on Zoom. The silver lining is that we have actually been able to get quite ahead in scripts for upcoming seasons of Discovery and Picard and Strange New Worlds, which is going to start shooting next year. Kurtzman also says that Star Trek Strange New Worlds will begin production in 2021. A few weeks ago, he revealed that 10 stories for the first season of the show set on Pike's Enterprise have already been broken. The team will be ready with scripts, and production can start next year, indicating that the show will likely premiere, you know, COVID-willing uh, in 2022. Now, way back in 2019, Kurtzman had said that they planned to go into production on Section 31 after the third season of Discovery wrapped, which happened this past February. Yao's character of Mira Giorgio is in the third season of Discovery, so having jumped forward into the 32nd century with the rest of the crew, so assuming that Section 31 show isn't set in the far future, which I think we know it is not, it remains to be seen how Yo's character can find her way back in time. As for Picard, Kurtzman talks broadly about their approach. He said, we are planning on going back into production. A lot of time has been taken coming up with a big plan on how the sets and the stages are going to be run. That is still being iterated right now, obviously safety being everyone's number one concern. Everyone is working on that real diligently because everybody wants to go back to work, but nobody wants to do it in a way that is unsafe. So I think what we are getting out of this is that uh, Zoom has been a great facilitator for writers' rooms. They're getting a lot of work done right now, and they're just trying to figure out the logistics of how to actually shoot these shows right now. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, you know, he touched on all of these different series, uh, Discovery, Picard, Strange New World, Section 31. Of course, we know they're all going to tie together and have uh, stories that, you know, relate to one another. And I'm guessing that at the end of Season 3, we'll figure out how Mir Giorgio gets back. But uh, that remains to be seen. So that is that article. Jim, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, huh? and I just, I wanted to add that, 
the reason why, if you, if you look at the article, the reason why Picard is stuck on the end is because all the other shows are filming in Toronto, where they currently are allowed to film. Picard is filmed in Hollywood, and as Leslie, if you listen to uh, Stunt Treks, uh, Hollywood is a different beast, and Hollywood uh, is having a lot of trouble nailing something down. And so Picard is kind of in that limbo area, whereas all the other Star Trek shows are in Toronto and are already getting started. So it might be a little while longer until we see Picard. And, of course, Lower Deck Season 2 is animated, so that, that hasn't been affected by any of this. And if I was a betting man, I would, I would think that we are going to see Lower Deck Season 2 before we see any of this other stuff. Would you guys mm-hmm. think that's a logical I, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about how the animated series, obviously, they don't have to worry about social distancing with animated characters. So I think we all expect the animated series to continue forward full steam ahead because they don't face the same challenges that the live shows face. Right. I think you're absolutely right. So that brings us up to our next story. And all these stories, oddly enough, are all going to tie together at the end of the show. Trust me. We know what we're doing. We've done this before. <laughs> this, this, this isn't our first rodeo. <laughs> so, Jonathan, this article is entitled, Jonathan Frakes Ponders the Future of Star Trek Movies and if he's ready to return to the director's chair. So let's say Emma Watts rang you up and said, Jonathan, you directed two movies. You know the franchise. I got all these scripts. What should I do? What would you say? Frank said, I say green light to Tarantino and Noah Hawley. If you are lucky enough to get either of them, and if they aren't too busy to direct, I'll be available. And he laughed. So apparently, <laughs> he would be willing to direct either one of those movies. So, What about the Chris Hemsworth one? You're saying give up on that one? To which he replied, that's now apparently the front runner again. Well, that's probably the one that has the most hope of being made, first because there's already an audience. After Paramount shut down the Star Trek after five years from J.J. Abrams, who launched it, and in my taste, very successfully, it captured the Zegas again. They spent a lot of effing money, so it was a big movie. His first one, Star Trek 2009 in particular, was great. I wasn't crazy about Idris Elba wearing a mask in Star Trek Beyond. And I love Benedict Cumberbatch's Khan in Star Trek Into Darkness. And I love that cast. So my opinion is that the movie with J.J.'s cast is the one, if I were betting, that it would be greenlit. So we've talked about that before. Uh, Then that takes us back to that phone call with Watts. Do you recommend they go ahead with a unified Star Trek cinematic universe that integrates all those TV shows and movies or continue to let them live in their own world. To which Frakes replied, yeah, that's a great question to which I'm not sure I have the answer. I think that my interest as a fan would be in what would be, what would, in what would, what kind of movie does Tarantino make? And as a fan of Holly, what's the writing going to be like? But as a businessman, I would think you would bet on Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth. Wouldn't you? So there's a lot more in this article that you guys can check out. But uh, basically, yeah, Frakes is up to directing again. And uh, if it was up to him, he would continue with the J.J. movies. 
because that's already an established cast, which which I agree with. Whether or not they can find a way to tie the JJ verse into, you know, the regular Star Trek, that remains to be seen. So Charles, you get our next story. Okay, Picard. Season one on Blu-ray looks beautiful with just enough special features. The episodes and special features are spread out through three Blu-ray discs. Each disc has the name of episodes on it. Contain it contains Prendana, as well as a full listing for the set of inside front back of the case. The menus have a loop of scenes from the first season with a brief pause on the Picard season one title card running behind them. The loosely related prequels to Picard season one, The Children of Mars, which wasn't included in Short Trek's own video release, has been included on the Picard set. Fans outside the U.S. and Canada, this will be your first Official way to story log. There will be a short three to five minute look at the making of each episode. And you'll see a list of all the episodes that we have. Featurettes include Make It So, Picard Props, Aliens Alive, The XD, Set Me, Set Me Up, The Motley Crew, Video, video Commentary for Remembrance, Audio Commentary for Fit of the Mars. Gag reel. There will also be deleted scenes from Remembrance, Broken Pieces, Set in Arcadi Ego, Part 1 and 2. This is going to be a very full set of three DVDs. I definitely think this is going to be my collection. Just so we can see all the makings of and all the extras that are showing up. Yeah, the deleted scenes of really have me interested because if you remember the deleted scene for Star Trek Discovery season one was the reveal of the Klingon D7, which we didn't see until season two. And the biggest one was Giorgio uh, joining section 31 and both those scenes were deleted and uh, were shown on the, uh, um, the, the, the Blu-ray. So I'm wondering if any of these deleted scenes are just like that. Yeah, I'm really curious as to whether or not any of these deleted scenes will actually tie uh, into the Picard book as well, uh, which we had the opportunity to talk a little bit with Una McCormick as well. She's the author of that one. Uh, because that book, of course, provides a bunch of background for Picard's season one. And I could see them maybe bringing back a character or two or maybe referencing some things that happened in the book as well. I think the deleted scenes are the part of this that I'm the most interested in. Yeah, or what those last two episodes tie into season two, just like mm-hmm. we had to tie into Discovery season two. That's right. Yep. So, uh, with that, guys, just just to wet your whistle a little bit, I want to play for you guys the Discovery C three, the Discovery season three trailer, and then we're going to go over the episode titles for season three. Show them who we are. We traveled into the future. 930 years. A one-way trip. No going back. 
So uh, episode four is entitled Forget Me Not. Interesting title. Uh, episode five is called Die Trying. Another one. Interesting. Episode six is called The Scavengers. And here's one that we talked about, Unification 3. Uh-huh. Why is it called Unification 3? We already have Unification 1 and Unification 2. That was the return of Mr. Spock to TNG. So is Unification 3 somehow going to continue that story that involved the Romulans and Vulcans getting back together again or something? There's got to be a, a connection there for them to use that title. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. Oh, and I think it's, it would be the first time that we actually see, if it is part of that continuum, it would be the first time that we actually see a direct continuum between episodes that took place on one series and an episode that takes place on another series, which I think is just another fantastic way to kind of weave the whole universe together. Yeah, it has to be. I don't can't think of an uh, without seeing the episode. I can't think of a reason why it would be Unification Three when we already have Unification One and Unification Two. So right. I, I think you're right. I, it has to have something to do with the reunification of Vulcan and Romulan and all that other stuff. But we'll we'll find out on uh, the twenty sixth. Oh, when is yeah on the twenty sixth? We'll find out. Uh, episode eight is called The Sanctuary. Makes me think of Logan's Run. And then we have a two-parter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a two-parter. We have Terra Firma Part 1 and Terra Firma Part 2. Mm-hmm. And then Episode 11 is called The Citadel. And episode 12 is called The Good of the People. And the final episode, Episode 13, is called Outside. And that's, that starts on the 15th and goes right through until the 7th of January with no breaks. So that's that's interesting, very interesting. Um, and that brings us up to our commercial break, guys. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Give us a call if you'd like to talk about Discovery or Lower Decks. We'd love to hear from you. For our listeners at Odyssey Radio, just hang on for a minute while we take a quick commercial break. For the rest of our listeners, you're going to hear our Truck Talking promo again. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and uh, we have a caller on the line. See who we've got here. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name, and where are you calling us from tonight? Hi, my name is David Whalen. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Hey, David. Hey, hey David. David. What's going on? Uh, I'm kind of recovering from the sickness I had last week. That's why I never called in, so... <clears throat> That's cool. Hey, did 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 your did you ever get the the thing I sent you? Uh, the first one? No. Um, that's what I was wondering. I, I, could I sent a message and uh, it turned out that it never, oops, never showed up. So I was like, 
what was happening, so I sent the message, and yeah, I guess, yeah, that all happened, so I don't know. It never arrived, so. Yeah, I got a message from Eric, and I sent you on another one. Uh, this is a Kirk a Kirk and McCoy from Star Trek, the motion picture one, and hopefully that one arrives. If it doesn't, um, we'll have to get together and see what, maybe I got the wrong address or something, but I would have thought it would have returned to me if it was wrong. But no, okay. no fear. You, you, got, you got another one on the way. Um, Hopefully, it didn't get lost in the mail somewhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'll get maybe you'll get two packages. Who knows? So, Eric, you get our okay. next story because I always give you our Voyager stories, and I always appreciate it. So, this one is fantastic. And remember, folks, if you'd like to read these entire articles, I think Jim already said this, but they are on our Facebook page, of course. This one is uh, is pretty cool. Brandon Braga talks about taking risks in Star Trek Voyager and the thrill of seeing Seven again in Picard. Uh, so he was asked, uh, turning to the 25th anniversary of Star Trek Voyager, what do you feel is the legacy of that show? And Braga said, I think most people are going to point to Captain Janeway. The best characters on the show were all women. A woman was the leader and she also led the crew. It was not something that we were calling attention to. It's just what Star Trek did. And I would say Voyager is just part of Star Trek's legacy in totality so far. I think that's the legacy of Voyager. And I think it's one important part of the legacy of Star Trek, the depiction of diversity and equality. He was also asked, we, talk a little bit, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about pitching uh, the episode's Year of Hell as an overarching arc for a season. And then you went in to pitch it, and Rick Berman said no. And so it became a two-parter. How do you remember it? Braga said, I don't remember the particulars of why it didn't happen, but I do know that my original concept was to do Year of Hell as a season. And I knew that it was probably not going to happen, because at that time there wasn't really serialized TV going on as far as I knew. It would have been harder to syndicate, I don't know who said no. Was it Rick? Was it Jerry Taylor? Did it go up to the studio? I don't know. I'm proud of that two-parter, though, because Joe Minoski and I had been doing these two-parters, and we thought, well, why not take it to the next level? A two-part episode of television was a big deal. What? A story over two episodes? Which today is almost antiquated. The bit where Janeway is saying goodbye to a blind Tuvok before she goes down with the ship, and it's very moving. I remember thinking... Wow, this show works when it works, and I would agree. Um, it's fantastic. Wait episodes. a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Tuvok goes blind and the Voyager gets destroyed. Oh. How did I miss this? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling I you, Jim, you got to go watch, back and watch this. you got to watch this two-parter. It's fantastic. Um, so they continue. I think I'm going to have to. Discuss- yeah, they, uh, they continue with that discussion, and he was asked, only six years later, you essentially did a Year of Hell season on Star Trek Enterprise, season three. Had the landscape of television changed that radically in those years, or could you have taken more risks with Voyager? And he said, well, first of all, I think we did take risks on Voyager. There are some really great episodes. There's some really powerful themes explored. I think bringing in Seven of Nine was a gamble. Personally, I think it paid off, and it helped the show, and it helped Janeway. I was always trying to do the best stories that we could. I was always pushing what was in the production of Star Trek. He was also asked, speaking of Picard, 
You mentioned how you had created the character of Seven for Voyager and cast Jerry Ryan, who you were very close to. So, what is it like for you to see Jerry play Seven in an entirely different context? And he said, well, I haven't yet seen all of Picard, but obviously I was very curious. It's thrilling to see a character live on, and I'm really happy to see Jerry step back into that role. And it's fun. And obviously, the character that they're depicting is still very traumatized from her experience. I was thinking that she doesn't quite sound like Seven to me, but then again, this is a character that's gone through a lot in the intervening years. There's a bit of me that feels possessive of her, but at the end of the day, I'm really happy that her character continues and people are interested in her. She's a great character, mainly because of Jerry. Jerry brought that one to life. And I completely agree. I think that it's really special that in Picard, we get to see the continuation of uh, one of our favorite characters from Voyager, and yet she is changed. Even by the end of season seven of Voyager, seven is not the seven that we see in Picard. And uh, I just love that kind of overarching character arc that spans two different series. So really great article. Um, and just interesting to hear his kind of takes on not only Voyager, but in particular, that two-part episode, Year of Hell. I personally think these days they could get away with making something like Year of Hell an entire season. Uh, I mean, essentially, I think that's what Discovery is going to be doing. You know, it won't be Year of Hell, but, man, we have gone into the 32nd century, which is a totally different place that Star Trek has never been, so... These days, they're actually able to take those risks that they weren't able to take in the past. And I, for one, am excited about that. And I, I just got to, like I said, I didn't get to watch a lot of Voyager because they didn't have it up here in Vermont at the time. But I did like when Seven came aboard. It, it really changed the whole dynamic of the show. I thought Seven was a great character to see the enemy of the Federation. She, I, I kind of looked at her the way I looked at Worf on TNG. You know, here's the big bad guy. Here's the enemy. Here's the person we're supposed to hate. And now they're on the crew. And I was just, I was pulled in and just totally fascinated by the character of Seven of Nine, and I loved her. I thought she was well, great. And, and I great... love her on Picard, too. Yeah, well, her on Picard, I think, was really special because that's where you really see that she has held on to ideals that she feels like the Federation have left behind. You know, the Fenris Rangers were always fighting for the little person. And that's why she was out there doing what she thought was right. And, and I love that she stuck to her guns. She stuck to her ideals, regardless of what was going on around her. Just a really special character. But speaking of uh, Voyager, Charles has the big story for this week. Charles, what you got for us? Uh, Drum roll. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, I have a drum roll. I gotta find it. Hold up, there it is. And and breaking news. Here we go. Live. In fact, oh, as I was preparing for the show and skimming my Facebook feeds after work, I ran into this and my jaw dropped. It's like now that's news. Breaking. Kate Maldrew, who we just mentioned earlier, is Janeway. To return as Captain Janeway in Star Trek Prodigy. Nickelodeon CBS News Today announced that Kate Maldrew will reprise her Star Trek Voyager role as 
Captain Catherine Janeway in Nickelodeon's all-new animated series, Star Trek Prodigy. Kate Mulgrew joined Kurtzman and project creators Kevin and Dad Dan Higman for a surprise virtual announcement during the New York Comic Con Multiverse Unit event. The veteran actor said, I have invested every decision of my being in Captain Janeway, and I can't wait to endow her with the nuance that I never did before in Church of Prodigy. How thrilling it is to be into these young minds, an idea that's elevated the world for decades. To be at the helm again is going to be deeply gratifying in a new way for me. Developed by M- any, M- Emmy Award winners Kevin and Dan Heyman and overseen for Nickelodeon by NATO, Star Trek Prodigy follows a group of lawless teens who discover a derelict starship, Starfleet ship and use it to search for adventure, meaning, and salvation. CBS also promises additional casting news will be announced in the coming months, CG animated series will be debuted exclusively on Nickelodeon in 2021 for a new generation of fans. And speaking of, Ooh. I was able to get my hands on the video and rip the audio of Kate Mulgrew at the New York City Comic Con virtual convention, and I'm going to play that for you guys right now. This is this is Kurtzman. And um, uh, the Hageman brothers introducing Kate Mulgrew and her talking to the fans about what it's like to come back and play uh, Captain Janeway after all these years. Enjoy. In August of 2018, I will never forget the magic of standing on stage in Las Vegas and seeing everybody's smiling faces looking up from the audience when we announced Patrick's return as Captain Picard. Now, Even though we can't all celebrate in the same space today, we do have another big announcement for you. And to help me, I'm joined by Dan and Kevin Hageman, our showrunners for Nickelodeon's Star Trek Prodigy. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hey, Alec. Hello. Thank you. Hi. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you remind our audience what what Prodigy is all about? Um, What we can say right now is Star Trek Prodigy follows a group of kids who discover a derelict Starfleet ship and use it to search for adventure, meaning, and salvation. Now, these kids were going to get some much-needed help from someone who has experience navigating through uncharted territory, someone who inspired a recent generation of real-life kids to become extraordinary adult leaders in the world of politics, music, science, astronomy, just to name a few. This captain was asked to embody an inhuman level of perfection in order to be accepted as good enough to the doubters, but show them all what it means to be truly outstanding. We can think of no better captain to inspire the next generation of dreamers than this one. Permission to come aboard. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of Star Trek Prodigy, Kate Mulgrew, as Captain Catherine Janeway. Welcome home, Kate. (laughs) Virtual greetings, and well done you, Alex Kurtzman and the Hageman brothers, for having the foresight to understand that Star Trek will captivate the imaginations of young people. And when Alex Kurtzman called me over a year ago now, I think, to propose this idea, I have to tell you that I was at first a little bit uncertain. 
After all, I had played her for seven years in four-and-a-half-inch heels. I had invested every scintilla of my being in that woman. And I thought, an animated version of Janeway? I don't know. I don't know. But even as I was talking to Kurtzman on the phone, long dormant longings to restore her started to stir. And I thought, this will be heavenly. I can go into a recording booth, which I love to do. I can now endow her with nuances that I didn't do before because I will have the privacy and freedom of a recording booth. And we can take it to uh, unlimited places. And then I thought, you know, I was the first female captain, and now I'm going to be the first children's captain. And what on earth could be better than that? So then Dan and Kevin Hageman, who are geniuses, you should know. You just saw them. I can assure you they are bona fide geniuses. Sent me the animatics and the scripts, and I was dazzled. So I, uh, I jumped in, and I thought to myself, this is going to be an extraordinary adventure. How thrilling to be able to introduce to these young minds an idea that has elevated the world for decades. And to be at the helm again in that way is, uh, I think, going to be deeply gratifying in a brand new way for me. So I'm ready to go, guys. This is going to be a wonderful adventure, and I'm so glad you're on board with me, and I hope you're equally excited. Are you? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? We're (laughs) we're sitting here with, like, just joy, joy radiating out of us. We're so excited. We're so excited, Kate. I was about to say I'm over the moon, but I'm like, that's not far enough. I'm I'm over galaxies. I think it is true about uh, the children. Uh, and by children, I'm saying, we're talking about a demographic five to 15 and their parents and their grandparents. I mean, it's going to be a living room full of generations watching this. But I think those little sponges, those little minds are going to go, we love this. And to be able to do that again, anew, is absolutely delightful. So I'm not only excited, I'm completely committed. I've already started recording and enjoyed it enormously. I got the next four scripts, which are increasingly better. You guys are really marvelous. And Alex, thank you for having the foresight to understand that uh, children will absorb this as it has never been absorbed before. Honestly, I couldn't be more excited. This is the secret that we've been holding on to for almost a year. So to be able to finally tell everybody is a huge, huge deal. Uh, I think particularly at this moment when we need great leaders in the world, particularly great female leaders, to have you here uh, representing uh, Star Trek is an extraordinary thing. And uh, it was very interesting to us and very telling that all the female writers on Star Trek Prodigy, when they heard the possibility of you coming back, came to us all and lobbied hard to say, what can we do to bring her back? Because she was such an inspiration to us and she's the reason we're here. So we are thrilled. I know that that delights me, of course. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that Janeway meant uh, a great deal to women, particularly female scientists. And now that I'm going to enter into those young minds, I'm excited in a new way because, you know, they're very smart, gentlemen. Let us not underestimate for one moment the level of intelligence. The imagination in youth is extraordinary. So to know that I've got you guys with me and that we're going to elevate this thing together makes me very happy. I'm really excited to get going. So this lends an entirely new meaning to Red Alert. So shall we? Red Alert. Engage. Okay, wait a minute. That's Captain Picard's line. She needs to come up with a different line. 
So, Eric, since I since I gave that story to Charles, why don't you tell us what you think about that? What are your feelings? Well, I have to tell you that uh, I started watching that video with uh, Kurtzman and the Hageman brothers, and you know, I I was kind of excited about it. You know, I I must admit my kid's a little bit older, so Prodigy is going to be something that she's interested in, but she's also watching Lower Decks with me right now. She's kind of in that age where both may be appropriate. My mouth dropped to the floor when Kate Mulgrew came on the screen and said that she was going to be reprising the role of Janeway. I think she is, personally, I find her one of the most intelligent, articulate people uh, who have ever been on Star Trek. And I remember when Voyager came out, uh, it was a big deal that she was a female captain and that she was the first female captain. And in fact, I think her character endured uh, criticisms, uh, particularly in the first season, that had absolutely nothing to do with her performance, uh, that had absolutely nothing to do with the writing. I think that, uh, you know, people just didn't know how to kind of get out of that Kirk Picard um, Cisco groove. And uh, I, I'm just so excited about this. I think everything she said about um, kids being way more intelligent than people kind of give them credit for, um, I believe that this show will be conducted with integrity and will will have positive values in it. Uh, and, and I just think that it's really going to help the kids and the families. As she said, not just the kids, but the parents the grandparents, the, the families that are going to be watching this show together. I mean, what better way to bring people together than to kind of coalesce them, not only around a fantastic character, but around a show that people of all ages can, can watch, you know, uh, without, uh, without fear of some of the more modern things that we sometimes see in Star Trek, whether it's uh, action adventure or a little violence here and there or, or some language here and there. This is going to be a new type of Star Trek show, and I could not be happier that she is the head of it. I just, uh, I, the, the, it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. I'm really curious as to, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, about when this show is going to be set, because, of course, uh, in, um, uh, oh, shoot, which movie is it where she shows up as Admiral Jamie? Nemesis. It's the last, is it? Star it is Nemesis, Nemesis, yeah. So we know eventually she becomes an admiral, but of course she's referred to as Captain Janeway here. So I, I'm, we're presuming right now that the timeline of the show is pre-Nemesis, uh, where of course Picard is all post-Nemesis. So it feels like uh, Prodigy is probably going to be a show that kind of slots into that time period, uh, maybe between uh, you know maybe between when the Voyager comes back. Uh, and uh, Nemesis, yeah. or, or maybe it'll actually explore, uh, you know, other adventures that happened when the Voyager was out there. I'm just so excited to see what happens. What do you think, Charles? Well, the only thing I missed in that interview was the audience's reaction. I was when we talked about the card coming on stage. I, that was Star Trek Las Vegas. I was there when he did that. And our jaws just dropped, and we just cheered when Stuart walked on stage. And I would have loved to have heard that same reaction in the first case. 
I think mm-hmm. the audience would have just jaws would have hit the floor and they would have been steering away for her being I think she's gonna bring I think she's gonna do a great job with this series. And I think there's a second reason to do it. Oh, gee, here's Captain Janeway. Oh, what's a new series? We've seen a Janeway before. Oh really? Oh I guess I need to oh, I love Janeway in this. Oh, she's done other work in Star Trek. Oh, I guess I gotta go back and watch her other stuff. Gee. Oh, gee, I'm getting hooked on Star Trek. You mean there's more Star Trek? Oh, gee, I guess i got to get to the other series. Great way of getting getting new new Star Trekies. New Trekkies. New Trekkies and Trekkers added to, the, added to the collective. Why? Because Kate Mulgrew is jumping in to get the kids in. I think it's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. Yes, I'm a kid. Yes, I'm a big kid. I'm a big kid and I watch kids' show. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm hoping, I'm hoping this well, show I got inspires people like Jim to go back and actually watch a little bit more Voyager because, uh, you know, you don't want to yeah. have uh, Prodigy be your first real Janeway experience, Jim. I think you're going to have to go back and do a little homework before this thing comes out. Well, eh, I might think you're right. But you know what? I have to admit, I did enjoy... Star Trek, the animated series in the seventies. And that was a kid's show. And I enjoyed it immensely. So, yeah, I think well, in I this got, case where, you know, what's interesting is we all got very excited about lower decks, but we knew it was be done, being done by the Rick and Morty guys. So we knew it was going to have an edge to it. And it, and it certainly does have an edge to it. Extremely funny, yeah. you know, modern humor. I feel like prodigy is going to be different. It's going to be, um, uh, you know, a wholesome show. It's going to really cover things like uh, values, uh, you know, all of the kind of basics that you see in Star Trek. They're going to they're gonna pull all of those little things from all of the different series and put them in a context that kids and families can watch, which is something that, you know, Star Trek hasn't really done before. I think it's hard to get kids, younger kids in particular, into Star Trek these days. You know, the animated series... While I also love it, Jim, is just a little um, just a little dated at this point. And unless you are an adult who's really interested in going back and filling in some canon for yourself, you know, it's not a show that is extremely compelling for people, uh, new Trek fans, to watch. This one, I think, is going to be extremely compelling. And I think it's going to bring a lot of new people into the Star Trek family. And one more thing before we before we run out of time, I think that it's going to be exactly like the short tracks, the girl who made the stars. Remember that CGI one where Burnham yeah. and her father, and she, I think that's the style it's going to be because Ephraim and Dot is lower decks, and I think that the girl who made the stars is going to be Prodigy. I think that's the style they're going to use. I'm just yeah. guessing, but that's that's what I think. Uh, what were you well, going to say, Charles, before? Okay, if you guys are like, oh, I'm starting to learn about Voyager. Oh, I would love to learn more about Voyager. Then I got a suggestion for you. You love Trek talking. Go look up Delta Flyers in your podcast. Mm-hmm. You are also, you'll see two members of Voyager going back and talking about 
what it was like making these episodes. I've been doing that podcast, and it's just been so great listening to these two talk. It was uh, Ensign Tom Paris and Ensign um, Kim. They go back and they talk about their adventures of doing that. And occasionally they'll bring in some guest stars. Neelix comes in for one show. And we've got other two people who've shown up. Great behind the scenes. You can see the new see the old episodes and then seeing new new podcasts talking about it what it was like making the show way back when. And speaking of animated shows, we have to take a final break for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. For the rest of you guys, I'm gonna warm you up a little bit with the lower decks theme song, and you know what that means, don't Woo-hoo! you? Your secret. Captain Freeman is your mom. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Does Captain Mommy give you sweet little Captain Kitty? Oh, where's new button? Optimistic mode. This is gonna be great. There she is, the little robot exocom. I analyzed all Federation languages and calculated a mathematically perfect name. What is it? Peanut hamper. conversation now we're going to start off um we already know that we're going to see an animated janeway so do we see some other animated people Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm -hmm. but okay here we go guys i'm going to play the first clip for you that i've chosen from this episode and i'm not going to tell you what i called it because boimler is going to tell you what I called it. Oh, all hands to escape pods. Prepare to abandon ship. Wait, incoming ship? 
Brooklyn party and I wasn't invited? Ooh, it's about time you showed up, Will. Mariner, this makes us even. You know Riker? Yeah, who do you think hooks me up with all my contraband? Dude, it's flush with Romulan ale and... I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, we're still in red alert. Target those ships and fire. We're talking about this later. All right, guys. So I started with the best, and uh, I wanted to get that out of the way so we could get talking. Yes, we get to see Captain Riker and Deanna Troy on the bridge of the Titans. That scene just blew my mind. Me and Jamie were watching it, and we're like, oh, my God, first he came to the rescue of Picard. Now he shows up <laughs> yeah. to lower decks. That's right. <laughs> The TNG theme song, the Titan flying in and blasting everything in sight, Riker on the bridge. And this is a version of Riker we've never seen before. Um, A lot of fans are complaining, well, he was too this, he was too that. Well, we don't know. We honestly don't know. We see a retired Riker in, in the Penthe, and then we see a first officer Riker on TNG. This is the first time we get to see the in-between Riker. And I loved him. I loved him to death. And the fact that, <laughs> that Frakes does the voice and Marina Sirtis does Deanna Troy, the look of the Titan was just outstanding. The music was phenomenal. Wow. I can't say enough about it. Just, just, just oh, my God. But David, you've been hanging out for a while. What do you think? Um. Honestly, I was pretty shocked. I I knew that they were going to have return characters and everything, but I didn't know it was going to happen this soon. I actually thought it was going to happen in the next season or two or something, but when he showed up, I literally had goosebumps. <laughs> it was actually that uh, wow to watch when all of a sudden he shows up. And, you know, they were talking about the Titan, about transfer and everything, but I didn't think that they would actually bring the Titan in and actually show some sort of the most action-packed episode I've ever seen in the series. So I actually liked it a lot. It was actually really uh, probably, I'm going to have to say, one of my favorite episodes now because it's just, you know, seeing the the people come back from the shows that you used to watch when you were a kid and everything. It's just like, whoa, <laughs> something changed. <laughs> so it's, it's really yeah. fun. Eric, how about you? What did you think about Riker saving the day yet again. Oh man, that was something. I mean, we we really started with dessert on this one because uh, I agree with David wholeheartedly. You know, not only was it exciting to see the Titan and and to have it kind of come in and save the day, but this entire episode really is worthy of a season ender. I mean, if you think about some of the best episodes of, of almost all the Star Trek series are these season cliffhangers. And in this case, uh, man, we get a massive battle. We get the near destruction of the Cerritos and we get Riker coming in to save the day on the Titan. And I'll tell you what, that ship of his was putting out some damage because uh, he managed to chase away uh, spoiler alert, a bunch of pack ships 
that uh, were really messing things up, had already destroyed one California-class ship, were in the process of destroying another California-class ship, and the Titan just comes zinging in, and, uh, you know, the music, the TNG music playing. Uh, I was like, David, I just had goosebumps uh, all over my arms. It was a really special moment. And, you know, the fact that they have now taken some of the story, well, not the stories, but this, the concept of the Titan novels and put it on screen and actually made it canon, uh, you know, I just, I don't know, so excited. I can hardly say enough about it. And what about you, Charles? We're going through, and I thought, oh, the three is going to escape. And three ships show up. Oh, they're going to have to abandon the ship. And they say, oh, unknown ship coming in. And we see the Titan. Okay. Then they show Riker and Deanna up there. My hands went up the air, and I just clapped. It's like, Riker. It's like, oh, Riker's coming in to save the day. And it just, what a way to finish that. What a way of putting up the season finale. And it's like, where'd this one come from? We know we've gotten secrets of characters showing up, but I didn't expect Drake to show up like this. No. And see him coming in. And it's like, as we said, we've never seen Captain Riker come in and see him in with that un- with the uniforms in and just looking so sharp. It's like, oh, just made this episode, added this episode, making this episode even better than it was already. And, good point, Charles. They remember on the Titan. You just mentioned it. They actually use uh, the uh, the later on uniforms, right? They don't have the body suits yeah. that the folks on the Cerritos have. They have the black jacket uniforms on the Titan, yep. uh, which I thought was just really cool because that just goes to show, you know, they do use different uniforms on different ships. Yep. 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 And I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but Jonathan Freight set an official Star Trek record with his appearance on Lower Decks. He has now mm-hmm. appeared on more Star Trek series than anybody <laughs> as the same character. Riker mm-hmm. has yep. now holds the record. Um, if they can find <laughs> a way to squeeze him into Section 31 or squeeze him into Pike somehow, I don't know. But Riker holds the record. He has officially now been on more Star Trek series as Riker than anybody. So congratulations to Jonathan Frakes. He deserves it. He is awesome. Um, yeah. Un- the reason why I play these clips a little bit, they're not the way I wanted to play them because Halloween night, Charles and I are doing a special show called the Halloween Spooktacular. And we're going to be playing some funny songs, some scary songs, some creepy songs, some songs for movies. We're going to be your soundtrack to Halloween. So hang out here with me and Eric and listen to some tunes. And I'm downloading all the stuff. And Blog Talk Radio puts it all in alphabetical order by the title. So for me to scroll through... 55 different things. I don't want to miss anything. So I'm just scrolling down the top, going in alphabetical order, which isn't the way I wanted to play them for you guys, which is why we talked about freaks first. So I apologize. But the show must go on. Now, the next clip I want to play for you guys is a clip that I entitled, You're Getting Me Hard. 
was. Oh. Ugh, why do we ever keep this a secret in the first place? Ugh, I just wanted to fly under the radar. And I didn't want anyone to know the most demerited officer in the fleet was my daughter. Well, Wesley Crusher worked with his mom. Maybe everybody will be cool about it. Captain? Captain's daughter? I, I mean, Mariner? Oh, what is it, Jack? Captain, I'm putting together a list of candidates for the Sacramento promotion. I'd love your input. May I just say I am very sorry if I ever treated you with anything other than admiration. Oh, shut up, Ransom. You're such a suck-up. From now on, I'll make sure to give you special attention. No! Be as hard on her as you always are. Yeah, be hard on me. I'm only hard on you when you make me hard. I mean, I'm, I'm not hard right now. I mean, I could, I could get hard if I wanted to, but I'm not hard right now. I'm so sorry. You're both great! <sighs> <laughs> I just, all right. <laughs> you, you knew I was gonna pick that one, didn't you? <laughs> I, I'm sitting there watching that, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is Star Trek." This is six. now, now, Eric, right over your daughter's head. Uh oh yeah, yeah, right over her head, and and thankfully so, I think. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, the, the joke was okay. I, I, it was it was totally in character for Ransom to have a moment like that, which I thought was the the funnest part of that. You know, I mean, his his he, he kind of is a suck up. You know, and in fact, in this episode, we see him, we see the kind of guy he really is. You know, he's he's having this conversation with the crew members while he's bench pressing things. So he's really supposed to be the you know stereotypical white male jerk that does not get what's going on around him and says stupid stuff as a result. So <laughs> in that way, I thought that scene uh, was, you know, perfect for his character, albeit a little, uh, a little risque. <laughs> and if you remember, there was an episode uh, a few episodes ago where he rips off his shirt and he leaps into battle and, and beats up this giant and then later on in sickbay, uh, him and, and uh, Mariner have a, like a little moment there. And so when he when he has these comments with her, I was just thinking, wow, that's funny because she kind of looked at him and gave him gave him the stink eye there in that episode. If you if you know the one I'm talking about, mm-hmm. yeah, he rips yeah. Off and, the he, shirt he and he's kind of like, he's like, huh? Like, he gets a like yeah, yeah, the Kirk maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, I that's probably my favorite. That's probably my favorite part of Ransom is he is the one on the show who uses the the Kirk double hand punch often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he even uh, calls it he, out he in this put, episode as he's punching somebody. <laughs> he's like, "Don't." I'm punch. putting my fists on stun and my kicks on kill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he, and he does the Kirk foo. <laughs> David, what, what did you think about that? About that, that uh, little interaction. I actually thought there. it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Uh, I actually laughed out loud when my wife was actually sleeping. So I was like, "Whoops!" <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually liked it. I, it was I, it was pretty fun. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it. I thought it was it was tastefully fun, and that's that's the important part. Charles, what did you think? Did you think they went over too far with that, or did you think it was just right? Oh, I think there's a proper term for double entendre. And I think they fitted it it in there perfectly. 
for those that might think of it, of some some of the, who let it go over their head, that's fine. The ones that get the joke, they sit there and laugh. It's like, okay, I don't believe you said that. That's perfect. It was a great line for him. I agree with Eric. That's, he's a macho man. And that's just how his character is. And I think it fit perfect. That line fit perfectly for him. Yeah, I, I think, so I think that, that line fit well. The way it was presented, the way it went off, and the way it was it was executed was all. The timing was perfect. Uh, the, the execution yeah. was perfect. It was just a perfectly timed joke, and I loved it. I heard it. I was just laughing so hard on the couch. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that!" It was so funny. Whether that was ad lib or not, we would never know. We'll never know. And I think I think Jerry O'Connell is absolutely awesome. I love Jerry O'Connell. I loved him from his days of Stand By Me with Will Wheaton and Sliders. And I just think, and of course, his wife is number one on Picard. I mean, on uh, Strange <laughs> New Worlds. So I, I love Jerry O'Connell. I think he's great. So we had a lot of, we had a birthday for an episode of TOS called Return of the Archons. And if you remember... All the things we've talked about on tonight's show kind of weave together, and I told you they were all going to meet at the end. Well, here's where they meet. This episode starts off with a, I don't know if it's a second contact, a third contact. I don't know what you want to call it, but the Cerritos Cerritos visits, um, what was it, Tarkana 3? What was the name of the planet? It was uh, Beta 3. Beta 3. And uh, this is the episode. Well, I'll play the clip for you guys. The Cerritos is in orbit around Beta 3. Back in the day, these guys worshipped a violent god called Landru, who suppressed their creativity and made them kill each other until Kirk figured out it was actually a computer. Get this. At some point, these knuckleheads went back to worshipping Landru. Captain Freeman has been setting them straight all morning. I can't believe you all started re-worshipping the dang computer. Well, Landrew is very persuasive. Consume the intruders! Obey, Landrew! Hey, don't make me paradox you into destroying yourself. Landrew apologizes! This is literally the exact thing Captain Kirk taught you. Maybe write it down this time. Cerritos, two to beam up. Well, I like purging people during the red hour. I'm going to keep doing it. Dude, there is no more red hour, okay? Let it go. But I just bought a new scythe. Landrew. I know. It's always weird revisiting planets from the TOS era. TOS? It's what I call the 2260s. Stands for those old scientists. You know, Spock, Scotty, those guys. Seems like they were stumbling on crazy new aliens every week back then. Nothing against second contact missions, but the Cerritos should be popping in on those legacy civilizations before they unravel. Yeah, but popping in is against regulation. We would need specific orders. I just hate seeing a perfectly good society get destroyed by a gangster of Triskelion or whatever, because Starfleet has a policy of some intervention. All right, so there's a lot to unpack in that one. First of all, Landrew, we already talked about that. Gangsters of Triskelion is mentioned there. But I think that the the thing was when he refers to Star Trek as TOS, I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, 
They're on a Star Trek show talking about Star Trek as if it's a Star Trek show, and they're even calling it TOS until Ransom comes up with those old science guys. And then, of course, gets it wrong because Scotty wasn't a scientist at all. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I just I like that scene. It references TOS directly. Um, you know, Landrew and, of course, the game system of Triskillian and uh, the Return of the Archons, which is probably one of, one of the first episodes of Star Trek I ever remember seeing with the, with the giant Jawas running around. Um, and I just liked that scene. It wasn't hilariously funny, but I, I liked it. And so I just I wanted to play yeah. that for you guys. David, what did you think about the, the references there in, the, in this particular scene? To be honest, I actually thought that was the most funniest part in the entire episode. I literally had to pause because I just kept laughing. <laughs> My eyes were almost in tears. <laughs> and uh, as you guys noticed, actually... It was a good way to start the episode for sure. Yeah. Did you guys notice that the uh, pad that he was using to look at Cook and Spock were the actual animated versions of themselves in the animated yes. series? I did notice that. That was great. That was great. <laughs> they stuck the animated series in there. What do you think, Eric? Uh, well, you know, one of my favorite things that happens in theater or in te- television shows is when they break that fourth wall. Uh, I really dig that, uh, you know, and, and and I feel like this was kind of a, there were a couple things that kind of broke the fourth wall. First of all, there was him saying TOS, which of course he explains away with some other words, which is a very clear fourth wall break. But then, uh, you know, Freeman's talking about uh, uh, Star, uh, Starfleet's policy of some interference. <laughs> and I thought that was the most brilliant line in that whole thing because, you know, Star Trek tries to preach this policy of no interference, and yet every other week they very clearly interfere with what's going on around them. So I love that Freeman actually acknowledged that. I will say that if you haven't seen the episode Return of the Archons, I feel like some of those jokes would have fallen flat uh, because they were so based on you understanding that episode and having seen that episode probably a few times. But for those of us who are familiar with that episode, it was funny and spot on. Yep. And Charles, you get to bring up the caboose on this one. Well, I think I remember a conversation we had that we thought, well, you know what? We're doing animated series. We could actually go back and revisit past episodes. We went back and re we we went back and revisited a past episode. We went back to TOS and saw what happened to the world in the future. It's like yes, we're getting a good dedication to seeing well what happened in that time. But they reversed reversed and kind of went back to doing what they did in the first place. Okay, we got an idea what's happening, but we got a chance to see what happened in the past in new time and it was just great to sit there and say hey we got a revisit to the past we asked we asked for it man we would love to see them go back and let's see and we got to see it twice in this episode and And I think that's a great homage to TOS we're not done yet I've got one more clip for you guys perhaps 
one of the best clips. I know it's going to be tough to compete with the tight end, but I think it's close. Oh, that's Mariner. We work with her. Mariner, over here. Hi. I guess those Cali-class ships can hold their own longer than people say. Thanks for the assist, Captain. No need to be so formal. You know, I was her mentor. Uh, Yeah, well, I remember it differently. You were sort of my Jadich. We used to get in so much trouble. We? Deanna. (laughs) Can you introduce me to any of your Betazoid friends? Jack, I sense you exaggerate your confidence in order to mask an ocean of insecurity. (laughs) Oh, well, they sense that, too? I can make that work for me. Wait, 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 wait. You made a dog? Yeah, and it could fly. Oh, 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 and another time, we stole a bunch of T-88. Oh, man, the scanners with the purple stripe, those are amazing. What else did we do? I just wanted to say I was wrong. I'm glad we followed our guts today. You are my mentor. (laughs) Whatever, nerd. Come on, we can hang without me being your mentor. I thought you wanted that. Yeah, my target kind of moves. Well, from now on, no more being obsessed with rank. Time to start appreciating what I have right here. Hey, you know what? I like this new Boimler. Good work today, Boimler. Ransom says you're one of his best. Thank you, Captain Riker, sir! Hey, how about you buy me a drink? You know, since we're even, remember? The thing with the aliens where I saved your ass? We are not even, and we don't use money. What's happened to you, man? You used to be sharp. Poimler? You backstabbing little weasel! You next time I see you, I'm gonna kick your ass! I cannot believe that you took a promotion to the mother Mike! Hey, Brad, we got a scoop, so get your boots and strap them up, because uh, the captain wants us to escort Commander Troy to Tolgana Ford. Ooh, I hear the Klingon district's intense. There's a bar in Andoria Town you guys would love. Whoa, you've been there? Yeah, I can show you around if you want. Dude, your pad is blowing up. Who is messaging you? She's just an old friend. She kind of got mad when I took the promotion here. Ah, she'll get over it. Boiler, you can't keep ducking me forever. It is a really small galaxy out there. Sooner or later, I'm going to run into you, and I'm going to feed you to an armist. You hear me? Hey, Psycho, keep it down. We're trying to sleep. Oh, shut up, Jen. I'm sorry, Blade. I was watching the first Enterprise on the holodeck. You know, Archer and those guys. What a story. Those guys had a long road getting from there to here. Of course, set for the Tolgana system, <laughs> Captain, awaiting your command. Ah, oh, Tolgana 4. You know, they have a little rice. Oh, so then should we take the little Horka? No. Take the one we always use. Ahem. Right. Give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight. Oh, the jazz. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. Oh, they had a long road <laughs> getting from there to here. <laughs> oh my God. Like a hundred. I like the Riker's new uh, um, way of going into warp. Yeah. <laughs> in the factor of. So. So much there. Uh, it's, wow. I just can't. Wow. David, what do you think? What, 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 what are your thoughts? I, I, I thought it was a really cool way of ending the episode, to be honest. Um, even though after all what has happened throughout the whole thing, I don't know if we want to talk about the certain character death that happened, but, um, you know, the, the idea of ending it like that was actually pretty – Probably the best way I've seen any kind of Star Trek episodes, animated or not, and in the way that this one did. I thought it was well done. And what would you give this on a scale of 1 to 10, David? Well, considering this is now my favorite episode, I want to go 12. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <Wow>. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Eric? Oh, yeah. I mean, there were like a hundred references in that one scene, and it, it was like, 
every time they would say something from a from another show, you would just kind of get this image of something, you know, from Chadich to any of the other things he said. Uh, just so fun. I mean, this this show, I think more than any other Star Trek, is made for Star Trek fans. Um, and that's, I think, what I love about it. You know, if you're a person who's really entrenched in Star Trek lore, you're just going to have so much fun with all of these references. And I agree with you, t- David. Definitely the best way for a ship to go into warp. She's like, <laughs> Troy's like, oh, with the jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. You know, because we had just, or I had just rewatched the Minuet episode of TNG and stuff. So I had the whole like Riker trombone thing in my head. And <laughs> it was so good. And what about a score of one to 10, Eric? Uh, you know, I think I'm with David. I think that this was probably my favorite episode of the season. Um, there was another one that I, that was pretty darn close that I liked a lot. So I'm going to go all the way to a 9.5 for this one. I just really, really liked it. How about you, Charles? I was I I heard a question pop up saying, "Do you think we'll get a cliffhanger in the last episode?" And we kind of watched how the episode kind of tied, tied itself together. And then Boimler goes over to the Titan. And all of a sudden you see how the how things are going, what happened to... Uh, and it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're not getting a part two. And yet, this is a cliffhanger. Because you're wondering, well, wait a minute, what, what's going to happen next season? And we were talking about this on the pre-show. It's like, I think we're, we're probably going to see more Riker. We're probably going to get a chance of getting more Riker in there, more the Titans in there. It's like, you've got me the point, but, okay, I can't, okay, season's over, but I can't wait for season two now. See what happens next. This was a great way with all those references, and then to sit there and just, get you going. It's like, okay, this is what can, this is leading us to season two. I was like, all right, I'm ready for season two. What a way to finish. What am I, what am I going to score on this one? I was thinking this morning, it's going to be at least a nine, but I think I'm going to go with Eric and at nine, five. This one really and you know took it to pop. There was an episode early on, I think it might have been episode two, that, that was one of my favorites. And then it kind of waned a little bit. And then uh, two episodes ago, I think I gave an episode a nine, nine point nine eight 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 because I thought it was so good and I wanted to leave room for it to get better. Well, this is the It Got Better episode. This show has, the last three episodes have been phenomenal. This one was was extra phenomenal and I, I if I could be with David and give it a 12 I would um, but I, I you know I got to go with a nine point nine point nine 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 maybe <laughs> nine point eight nine I mean this episode had everything that you'd want in a in a real Star Trek episode I mean if this was a live action episode I would have been jumping off the couch and loved every minute of it um well, the pack lids, you Look know, show up. Uh, the, Look at the fight scenes they had. 
We mm-hmm. did have yeah, we did lose a character, uh, which you guys are going to have to go watch the episode to see what character we lost. But we did lose an epi- a character in this episode. And there was a, a, a physical reference when, um, when they're picking up all the contraband that Mariner has around. And if you notice, yeah. the chief engineer <laughs> picks up a Spock helmet. And oh my gosh! And like, there's oh, Spock. He- there's a Spock helmet. There's the sword that Sulu used. There's a Batleth. I mean, there. Are, if you start really combing through all that contraband, every single one of those things comes from some other episode of Star Trek. The Spock helmet just there's cracked some, me up. Swing on blood <laughs> wine there. Um, yeah, yeah, there's the so, much head, the so much stuff going on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you so, saw the triple. Yeah. The Tribble, yeah. The yeah, but that's for, that's I was for actually hoping the Tribble only. would have grabbed something and it started attacking. <laughs> the nope. Tribble for the personal Mariner use. Only, more, Mariner keeps that for personal use only. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this episode was spot on perfect. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to give it a 10, but I got to I gotta go close. I really do. I loved it. Uh, it was a great if I had way to, to redo and as uh, a number of 1 through 10, I would have to say mine would definitely a 10 if I can't go over. <laughs> yeah, no, you can go anywhere well, you I want. Mean, you know. Well, but, um, well the, scene where they, yeah. the scene where they burst, the scene where they burst in the medical bay, and he was, oh, oh, sorry. The doctor meows at them. Yeah, the cat. If someone steps on the cat's tail, it's like, oh. <laughs> a great episode. I can't say enough good things about it. So yeah. this wraps up our our Star Trek Lower Decks season finale episode. We'll be back again next year with more Lower Decks. I loved it. Great, great, great series. If you guys haven't watched it, please, please do. Um, we won't have Star Trek Discovery premieres next week. But we won't be talking about it next week because we're going to be a week behind. So uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but it won't be Star Trek Discovery, yes, you do. unfortunately. Jim, yes, you do. We have a special guest next week. Well, maybe we don't. <laughs> the, oh. the time, the five-hour right. time thing, um, I'm still working on that. So we might have a special guest okay. for you guys. It, it's possible. But, um, yeah. Hey, we, we have a caller on the line here. Hey, good evening. Thank Hi you guys. for calling Trek Talking. Oh, my God. It's not just a caller. It's the caller. <laughs> I, like, I, I love I'm the caller. That's awesome. You're the, you're the caller. What's happening, Shannon? Well, I just wanted to say bourbon class. I had to call you all because this episode was freaking awesome. It was awesome. What would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, a 9.1. Yeah, right up there. Yeah, it was awesome. We were just talking about how great it was. They finally got their groove on. It's perfect. The yes. return of Riker. Um, another return oh, of Riker. So second return. Uh, you know, Troy. Don't be Troy. Yes, Troy, the Titan. Commander. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Yeah, Commander Troy, that's right. Commander Troy. Yep. Great episode. Absolutely spectacular episode. Um, well, we, we, we may have a guest next week. 
Um, I'm working on maybe getting the guy that works for Eagle Moss. So we might we might be talking to him. Nice. I'll let you guys know. Keep keep an eye on our Facebook page um, for next week's show. But we will be talking about Discovery and The Mandalorian, but not next week. So just hang in Aww. there for that. Yeah, it, it happens, you know. But, yeah, we're, we're, we'll always have fun. We're, we'll have stuff to Trek talk about. Don't you worry. We'll be here, same bat wait. time, same bat channel, <laughs> as we always well, do. You want me, wait, but, um, do you want me to come on next I week just, and tell you about the the fundraisers for Biden and the Star Trek actors and then the you know season premiere for Discovery? Yeah, next week. We could. Yeah, yep. we, yeah that, we could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's next week's show. <laughs> Hey, yeah. How's that? Quick and easy. Mm-hmm. So yep. um, I, I I just want to take a moment to say thank you to David for calling and chatting with us tonight. Thank you, David. You're welcome. And, of course, thank you to Shannon for, for uh, calling in and sharing your thoughts on this episode. Thank you, Shannon. Anytime. And, of course, thank you to Eric for calling us from Buffalo instead of for Portland tonight and taking time out of his uh, situation to call us tonight. Thank you very much, Eric. You bet. Had a blast, guys. Thanks a bunch. And of course, thank you to Charles, my right hand man. Thank you, Charles. Oh, I was. I watched this episode this morning, and I was just dying to talk about it. Yeah, it was. I couldn't wait it was either. Great it was to talk good. about that and all the stuff news today. A lot of stuff. A lot of Kate Mulgrew coming back. It's so much stuff. And, um, yeah, so I'm Uncle Jim, and I want to say each and every one of you guys, no matter where you're listening from, we appreciate it because we couldn't do the show without you. So whether you're listening in Spain or whether you're listening in Canada or whether you're listening right down the road from me in Rutland, Vermont, it doesn't matter. We appreciate you, and we do the show for you. Make sure you visit us at our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. Like and follow us there so you never miss a show. And be up, oh, oh, and that lady's telling me we got to go so that you never miss a moment of the fun. So I'm Uncle Jim saying thank you and good night. Stay safe. Be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. And I'm going to leave you guys with something special. I usually close with the card saying engage. But this time we're going to close with the Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 1 trailer, just to get you guys ready for next week. So this is Star Trek Discovery. Enjoy, and good night. You might want to hold on to something. This world feels like a dream. A strange, terrible, beautiful dream. Everything is different. I am different. I promise you. I'm ready. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.